הרי אני מקשר עצמי לכל הצדיקים האמיתיים שבדורנו, כל הצדיקים האמיתיים שוכני עפר. קדוש עם השבר עצם אבחלה בנו הקדוש. צדיק יסוד עולם. נחם נובע מכל חוכמה רבנו נחמן פגי בן שמחה נא נח נחמן נחמן נאומן. זכותו תגן עלינו ועל כל ישראל עמן. בעזרת השם, today we start סעיף ט' of שפחי הר"ן in the pilgrimage of רבנו תארץ ישראל. We start uh, lesson 9. We're not going to finish it because it's a long one, so we're going to do half of it, Bezrat Hashem, even less than half even. Uh, just about half, uh, starting with the word Vetziva. So yesterday we discussed how Rabenu took the, um, the, what do you call it, the journey to, from Odessa to Istanbul, and Rabenu was the first one to do it. That after Rabenu took this, this became the common route. The common route because everybody understood that it was no longer unsafe or what people thought was unsafe. And everyone decided to go from Odessa to uh, Istanbul as it was avoiding a lot of uh, detour. And now, Rabbeinu commanded his attendant, he told his attendant to buy lots of paper and ink. And immediately as Rabbeinu entered the ship from Odessa to Istanbul, Istanbul, he began to write a lesson, a Torah lesson. And he warned the man, his attendant, not to analyze the writing at all, not to look at the writing at all, not to even peek at the letter, at the Torah he was writing. And he commanded, he, ob- he obliged the, his attendant to promise on his own honor. And then Rabbeinu believed him after he had made an oath, after his attendant made an oath not to look at it. And then he gave him the key to his trunk, to his like, chest of writings. And as Rabbeinu left Odessa on the ship, as he was about to leave Odessa and enter the ship, many people escorted him, lots of people escorted him with great honor. And many wagons, many chariots followed after Rabbeinu. And they accompanied Rabenu, they escorted Rabenu and his attendant with lots of feast and great joy and with song. As they entered the ship, the boat, they began to travel over the Black Sea. Basically, immediately on the first day, there was a great storm. Until literally the waves were so strong they jumped over the ship. And uh, Rabenu and his attendant were forced to stay in their room locked and completely closed off because the water was flowing over the ship. So that the water would not enter the room. And there was thunder and lightning and awesome storms without measure. We can't even explain. And this is awfully similar to the story of the Barshem Tov as he entered the ship. And we see here that the Satan is clearly at work to try to prevent the Tzadik from doing such a holy act. And there was tremendous fear and dread from the noise of the thunder and the rains and the roar of the, of the waves. And because of the dread at, um, at that time, the fear, um, it was impossible for, the, uh, for everyone to sleep. And if you look at Chayim Moran, Lesson 137, you go over there, 
we really understand why Rabbeinu couldn't sleep. And it's not simply because of this storm. We see over there that a young man who had just passed away from a, a certain village in Ukraine came to see Rabbeinu for rectification. Because we know all the souls have to go to the tzaddik to rectify themselves. And the Rabbi Natan said, after this, it became obviously um, common for Rabbeinu to receive many souls, thousands of souls that Rabbeinu said before he, passed, uh, before he went to the journey of Israel. He said, I cannot sleep for the letters, I cannot sleep until all the 600,000 letters of the Torah pass before my eyes. Meaning what? What are the 600,000 letters of the Torah? These are the 600,000 souls of the Jewish people. That Rabbeinu cannot sleep unless the 600,000 souls, unless all the neshamot come before him. Meaning what? That Rabbeinu has to look at each and every soul and to try to see how he can rectify each and every soul. Rabbeinu cannot sleep unless he rectifies the neshamot that come before him. So there was a young man who had just passed away from this uh, city in Ukraine, Volshevitz. Uh, and uh, he came to see Rabbeinu for rectification. And after four days they arrived in Istanbul and they sat on the dock, him and his attendant. Because they had no idea which house to enter. Because they had no ability to discern between the Turks and the Jewish people. They didn't know the difference. They were not able to ask why. Because they did not know their language. And as they were sitting on the dock, some people saw them. Um, sorry, as Rabbeinu and his attendant were seeing people passing by as they were sitting on the dock, they were walking around and they saw and they found a man who was a translator, an interpreter, who knew their language too. And that would be an interpreter, an intermediary between them and the Turks. And immediately they rented a small lodging, a good lodging, in the um, in the district of Galita in Istanbul. And immediately after entering that place and sitting in the lodging, Rabenu, after an hour or two, said that he didn't like it. That he didn't want to stay there. And the interpreter asked them, Is it better perhaps might be better for you if you guys stay in the uh, main city of uh, the main capital of Istanbul. Meaning the capital city, where the Sultan's residence exists. But the interpreter let them know that what? What's it different? That no couples can stay there, only men alone. No women are allowed in that um, district. Rabban responded that it's certainly better over there. And this interpreter revealed to them, to Rabbeinu and his attendant, that there are actually several emissaries, rabbinic emissaries from Eret Yisrael that are traveling to Israel and there are some that are traveling back from Israel to Ukraine. And the man let Rabbeinu and his attendant know that what? That with these emissaries from Israel, there are two men that are actually initially from Eastern Europe, from Ukraine, from their country, uh, that were in Eretz Yisrael, by the, uh, obviously by the Grav, of Rabbi Grav Avraham Kalisker, who was the main Hasid of Eretz Yisrael, who was leading the Hasidic community in Eretz Yisrael. And now, they are returning back home. And they were traveling from Eretz Yisrael to, to the diaspora. They were returning from the land of Israel to Ukraine. 
Rabbeinu heard this. Rabbeinu, may his memory be a blessing, told the man who was with him, he told his attendant, I warn you, not to reveal anything about me at all. Not to say a single thing about me, who I am. Do not tell anyone that I am Rabbi Nachman. Do not say anything. If they ask about me, do not say that I am this person. Um, Rabbeinu said, do not reveal anything about me. And they went from outside the, the district in which they were staying in initially. Um, in Galita, and they immediately entered the, the, the capital city. And immediately the second they entered, the two people who were the emissaries from Eret Israel back to uh, those rabbinic emissaries who were traveling from Israel back to their country, which was Ukraine, the man that uh, the, the translator was telling Rabbeinu about, they recognized Rabbeinu's attendant. And they asked his attendant, What are you doing here? And the attendant responded, I'm traveling with a young man to the land of Israel, to the Holy Land, not revealing a single thing about who the young man was. Rabbeinu was 26 years old at the time. And they asked the attendant, Who is it? Who is this guy? And they responded to him, that the man responded, the attendant responded, that this young man that he's traveling with has a travel card from the Austrian uh, government, the Austrian Kaiser's government. And he's traveling as an ambassador of the Austrian government. And he did not want to reveal to him who he actually was. The attendant of Rabbeinu did not want to reveal to them who he actually was. Um, by the fact that Rabbeinu warned his attendant not to reveal anything about him. And we're going to see these two figures are actually a very vital role in the story of Rabenu um, in getting to Eretz Yisrael and how they actually assisted him in getting there. We're going to see soon. And uh, immediately, as they heard this, they... Uh, they felt in their heart, immediately entered their heart that uh, about Rabenu, who they had no idea was actually Rabbi Nachman, they, uh, they thought immediately that he was traveling from the, uh, with his travel card from the Austrian government in order to create a machloket, in order to create strife against the Hasid, and for some the famous Hasid, the holy light, Moreno, our, our master, Rabbi Avram Kalisker, Rabbi Avram Kalisker, who is a very awesome tzaddik, who traveled to Eret Yisrael, with um, Rabbi Menachem Mendel of Yitevsk, who we saw actually, Rabbeinu had a vision of before he was traveling to Eretz Yisrael. They were actually chaverim. Uh, they were actually friends. Rabbi Avram Kaniskel and Rabbi Menachem Mendel of Yitevsk. They were talmid uh, chaver. They were, uh, what do you call it? It was like a student-colleague relationship. They were very close friends. And they traveled to Israel together. And Rabbi Avram Kaniskel succeeded Rabbi Menachem Mendel Vitebsk as the leader of the Hasidic community in Eretz Yisrael after Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Menachem Mendel Vitebsk passed away um, in Eretz Yisrael. And uh, later we see that uh, Rabbi Avraham Kalisker, who Rabbeinu said was the perfect Sadiq. We never hear Rabbeinu really speak about 
tzadikim. We hear him say tzadikim many times in the Quran, but Rabbeinu rarely spoke about certain tzadikim. And he spoke about Rabbi Avram Kalisker. He said, I've never seen a perfect tzaddik like Rabbi Avram Kalisker. <laughs> so we, can, we can't even imagine how awesome this tzaddik was. And uh, there was some strife about Rabbi Avram Kalisker. And um, uh, Rabbi Shnei Arzami Meliadi, the Balatanya, the author of the, the, or the founder of the Chabad movement, who um, there was some strife between them. Um, that we can't really understand because they're tzaddikim shlemim, perfect tzaddikim. But nonetheless, um, uh, these people who were emissaries from Eretz Yisrael, who were actually students of Rabbi Avram Kalisker, they are uh, messengers of Rabbi Avram Kalisker, who they were trying to raise money for the for the Hasidic community in Eretz Yisrael um, to get staka and stuff like that. Um, nonetheless, um, they whenever they heard that Rabbeinu was traveling from the Austrian government and there wasn't much information about this young man who the attendant was uh, traveling with, they thought that he was coming to create uh, machlok and create argument against Rabbi Avam. So what did they think? And they entered in this fallacy, basically. And they entered in their vision and they thought that they were right. Until they became great, until they got great uh, proofs over uh, their mistakes until they literally entered this this mistake so much they clung, uh, they uh, clung to this mistaken idea tremendously and uh, we're going to see here and they immediately thought that Rabenu actually wasn't sent from the Austrian government but rather from many tzaddikim in Eastern Europe to create machloket um on Rabbi Avram Kalisker. So instead of, uh, what do you call it? Instead of uh, just letting it go, after the attendant told them that he was traveling, they were tra- he was traveling with a young man from uh, the government, they immediately fell into this fallacy and began to think about how the fact this man could actually end up uh, uh, causing tremendous argument and strife against the tzaddik who had sent them, Rabbi Avram Kalisker and Eretz Yisrael, who were going to see Rabban was going to meet in Eretz Yisrael, Bezrat Hashem. But uh, that's it for today. Uh, we see this. Uh, we're going to continue with this section. It's um, And we're going to finish it next uh, podcast.